Car Chats with Tess, Kat and Sean acknowledges the traditional custodians of the Kulin Nations, whose land on which we record and air our content. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. You're listening to Car Chats with Tess, Kat and Sean. The radio show where we talk about all things taboo and relevant to you. Catch us at RadioMonash.org every Tuesday at 11. Hello and welcome to Car Chats with Tess, Kat and Sean. It is our last show for the season, so welcome. I hope you enjoy. We have a jam-packed episode today, so make sure you stay tuned throughout all of it. How are you guys? Good. Um, I'm really yeah. excited for this chat. Yeah. I, I can't believe it's the end of the season already. Season yeah. five, how crazy. I, I don't think, I think the weeks, like I've, I've been playing everything week by week, so it just literally crept up. I didn't even yeah it's it's crazy that we've done this many episodes already do you know what's definitely the came at a good time though I think yeah. because it you know we're close to mid-sem and yeah. you know we've done this we've been doing radio for so long but yeah. I think this season being our first podcast season it's mm. um it's been really really good a really good experience yeah, yeah, yeah I no, think so absolutely too. and I think we're definitely due for a break yes yeah. <laughs> I might say so myself like I yeah. think I speak for all of us when I say I am tired yeah, yeah. and no, hopefully sure. though hopefully um we do get to catch up and actually be yeah. in the same room when we record because that would uh, save us a bit but you know yeah. we're sticking by say, the restrictions so we're it's being been it's been so nice having like the consistency of car chats every week but also yeah. it's crazy that we've like with everything happening we've still kept it going like you know what I mean yeah um so yeah it'd be nice to just have like a little break come back refreshed and you know well yeah. it's kept me sane literally exactly the same like it, it has kept me sane yeah and we hope Thanks it's kept um our listeners insane yeah insane yeah. Sane. 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 that's <laughs> the right word not insane <laughs> You've gone insane. (laughs) (laughs) As we usually do every episode, we give you guys a coronavirus update and a current affair update, kind of. We want to start off with Unicarts. You've probably heard all about it. It's all over Facebook. It's all over every uni, I guess. They're all coming down with um, these crazy cuts to faculties, jobs. um, And it's really just, I mean, it's disappointing, but it's expected. And I think how we um, go forward with this will be really interesting. Um, Me too. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it's, um, I definitely can understand it. And especially given that, well, I go to Monash. We all go to Monash because mm. it's Monash Radio. Duh. <laughs> but they're like a really, really large part of their what's it, income, revenue, yeah, money, the revenue, whatever. The money that yeah. comes in comes from international, international students, students. Yeah. and they're not here right yeah. now. Yeah. So they're struggling a lot. Yeah. So I totally get it, but yeah. it does place like a huge burden on students as well because yeah. our prices have been bumped up. So yeah. it's kind of a lose-lose for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Well, you- this is, yeah, I was going to say, this is the thing whenever like, I feel like international students definitely cop a lot of like negative attention um even had someone on a bus one time make some comments about international students saying that her kid didn't get into monash because of all these bloody international students and i'm just you know at the end of the day it's the university that chooses to take that student over someone else it's that Um, business model so yeah yeah. exactly and this is the reason why it's because you know the amount of money that monash spends every year it's we can't the only reason we can benefit from like the lower fees that we do get to you know what i mean 
to mm. pay is because of international students. So, you know, Correct. Exactly. Now, this is across the board, so it's ju- obviously mm. not just a Monash thing. Yeah. But I did want to just raise um, some awareness, I guess. Awareness. It's a raise. Um, that it's the theatre and more recently, most recently, the theatre and performing arts faculty yeah. have copped it the most. So mm. they're actually expected, well, the Centre for Theatre and Performing yeah. Arts are expected to close. And yeah. um, it's really sad because students are told they have to negotiate what they're going to do um, yeah. with the rest of their course. And that is just the most, I think that is such a stressful thing to have to like yeah. be confronted yeah. with that you got yeah. into this dream course that you love that you want yeah. to do and now yeah. you have to you have to change it but I'm That's curious so guys have you had have you noticed that your units or past units have been cancelled or they're not running anymore or well, staff no, members not, have left not cancelled but I have felt the effects of some cuts. For example, like I've had tutorials that were way over capacity, mm. like ridiculous Same. number of students, like 40 yeah. kids or something in like a oh. tiny cramped room. Okay. Yeah. And like, we just didn't have enough chairs, didn't have enough tables. It was yeah. just really silly. But yeah. apart from that, like I'm incredibly lucky. None of my units have really been affected, but I do yeah. know that they have cut some majors mm. from the arts faculty. They've yeah. cut the politics major, which is a huge one and a popular Crazy. one. And yeah. all the politics kids have been transferred to international relations, yeah. which, sorry, but I'm on a rant. I yeah. think that, oh. like, I feel like it's so unfair for students in their, like, ultimate or penultimate year to yeah. have to change to a different major in their last yeah. year if they don't have the foundation for it. I was yeah. going to say, shouldn't they just let it run to the very end for exactly. everyone least, that started? Yeah. But just let no one year. new in. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what that I makes thought sense. would have been yeah. the sensible thing to do, but yeah. no yeah no absolutely it's been the same well for me it's it's my last semester hopefully fingers crossed so Mm. i haven't really noticed anything i've just been like keeping my like you know just focusing on the units that i do have and definitely the tutorials of like 30 plus people is just ridiculous Mm. and you can definitely feel a lot of the quality of has dropped in terms yeah. of assignments and feedback and you know i totally sympathize with my tutors and all that because they do have a lot on their plates but it's Me just really too. hard sometimes you need like an answer you need some guidance and yeah. you are kind of just like you know tossed around a few times and i feel like a lot of us are confused like if you read the forums a lot of people are just a bit unaware of how to go about stuff mm. just because of like the lack of preparation as well because you know the number of like tutors are down as well mm. and that's the thing like i was just thinking it it's frustrating for us. I can't imagine the people who have to run these classes yeah. on the fly mm. having to, you know. Do you know that they're literally afforded three minutes of paper or something? Mm. That's the time they can dedicate to marking someone's assignment. Yeah. That's yeah. what exactly. they're paid to do. So yeah. do you know that they will sometimes read, like I've had a tutor tell me this, she'll just read intro and conclusion. Mm. So if you, if you get an assignment back with comments only on your intro and conclusion, they haven't That's read the middle. Why. They haven't read the middle one. That's so, like, sad. That's genuinely yeah. just sad yeah. because you yeah. obviously put so much work into your assignments. Yeah. And because your, your teachers aren't getting paid enough, they literally can't. Yeah. They can't give you back. They can't reciprocate your, your yeah. hard work. Absolutely. Um, yeah. which, is, which is extremely sad. Um, yeah. And I hope that one day, like, this all changes and, you know, you know what else? improve is sad like we've definitely spoken about like arts units being cut first and all that but when it comes to, like theater and all that i feel like 
we kind of view it in society as a bit of like a luxurious thing you know you go to the theater yeah. it's like yeah. this big it's this big deal but then it's like no one really values it at its core like you know what i mean like no i was one, literally yeah. going to ask that how yeah. can we i feel like with culture and yeah. cultural things like art like music um film it's, it's not so valued, valued as much yeah and the attitude in society is um completely yeah completely different so it's a lot of hate sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. but i think if you're serious about pursuing theater you don't yeah. go to monash yeah I, is that fair like i don't know if that's a fair statement but i'm just saying there are like you'd go to a specialized theater school yeah that's no, I, su- I suppose so but i think a lot of theater students do like do music majors as well and i think monash yeah. has a pretty good music faculty when it comes to like yeah. you know well if you want to broaden your studies and study yeah. other things you go to yeah. monash but if you want to yeah. focus primarily on theater you don't yeah mm. i guess so but i feel like it'd be like another kick in the guts by being like no like i'm not gonna go to like you know i forgot mm. what is it viz no not viz no that's um, vca yeah v- yeah, yeah. Um, and you go to Monash and, you know, to broaden your studies and, you know, have a few mm, other, like, you know, yeah. yeah. And, and then this happens and it's just, yeah, it's a bit frustrating, I guess, because okay. obviously we kind of understand why it's the first to go, but also. Yeah. I just didn't expect yeah. like the whole center. I think that yeah. that's what shocked me the most, but look, it's still in the negotiation stage. You know, hopefully yeah. we see some positive positivity yeah. from it, I guess. Um, I so. But yeah, in other news, um, just quickly, the anti-lockdown protesters that were singing, um, you're the voice, the by you're the voice. <laughs> interesting, very interesting, very local because it happened at Chatston. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. And John Farnham did come out and say that he will not be the voice of anti-lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> so glad. I'm glad. Funny that. <laughs> you know, other, sorry. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. I was just going to say another heartbreaking news. We lost a feminist icon. Uh, Ginsburg. Yeah. Yeah, an I'm absolute so trailblazer. Yeah, an inspiration to everyone. I feel Absolutely. like we've lost a, a lot of very monumental people at the head of like a lot of movements, or mm. um, like this. Yeah, I feel like it's been a really bad year in terms of like like iconic people, you know, mm. who've done a lot for their community. You know, yeah. I think I think as well the blows are just harder because everything sucks so much. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I was talking to mom about this the other day. I'm saying that it feels like there's a lot more bad in the world because there's not as much good news to balance it out. Like, you know, there's no there's no festivals, there's no good news, there's no movies coming out. There's literally yeah. like no like there's nothing good. There's no good information that we're receiving mm. to mm. counteract all the negative stuff. But um, the cases have been going down, which is why it's frustrating that we've got anti-mask protesters deciding to come out and pull force. Oh. Now it's like you could have done this like three months ago, you know? Yeah. Like why now when the cases are so low? But anyway. Yeah. Dum dums. <laughs> what do we have lined up for the show test? Tell us. Well, today we're gonna be talking about something that I think we're all really fascinated in. And it is whether or not you can separate art from artists when one or the other is problematic. And these topics do cover topics that we have addressed in previous weeks this season, such as pedoculture, cancel culture and cultural appropriation. So I think it'll be a really nice amalgamation of everything we've discussed and everything we've been really passionate about this season. Anyway, you're listening to Car Chats with Tess, Kat and Sean. Hey guys, welcome back. You are listening to Card Chats with Tess, Kat and Sean. If you are 
only just joining us now. Um, this week we are discussing art and artists and we're looking at the distinction between artists and the body of work that they produce. Um, we've got a few really good examples for this segment. Um, um, namely, we've got three, like we've got a few recent ones, um, namely Mulan that's just come out recently, which Tess will get into very shortly. Uh, we've also got R. Kelly, um, whose documentary came out earlier this year, so quite recent, but also, you know, dating from a couple of years ago. Uh, and we also have the staple Chris Brown situation with Rihanna that I feel comes up every now and then, every time it comes up in the news, I feel like it's one of those things that will always cloud his achievements. Um, yeah. Which, you know, which we'll get into discussing. Um, so pretty much in the segment, we'll be looking at um, whether that separation is something that is that we should practically try and do um, so yes, leading us into the discussion is Tess. Um, so Tess, recently you watched the new remake of Mulan, obviously one of our favorites, you know, the traditional old Disney yes. classic. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you what I think about the movie, but I'm okay. going to give you context about why the background of it is problematic. Okay. So lead actress and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Liu Yifei, on China's equivalent of Twitter, she issued her support of the Hong Kong police last September. And the hashtag boycott Mulan started trending because of that. And then that same hashtag resurfaced again really recently after the movie was released on Netflix because people started noticing that the credits contained a message thanking propaganda departments and a public security bureau in Xinjiang where the genocidal Uyghur re-education camps are located. So basically concentration camps mm. that are um, responsible for major human rights abuses against Muslim ethnic minority groups. Yeah. And the Chinese government have banned media coverage of the movie due to backlash, basically. I think it's important to note that China's official standing on the whole detention camp is some sort of re-education facility to yep. promote unity and, you know, um, it, it, instead of diversity. And I don't know if you guys have seen the videos that have surfaced online um, in terms of like what's actually going on in these camps. And I think it's really important to note that it is targeting a minority, um, mm. you know, the Uyghur Muslim community in China. Mm. Um, and the claims against them is the fact that they're trying to um, create disparity between, you know, uh, provinces and, and people in China. And I think it's, it's just, it's quite shocking, the blatantness yeah. of the discrimination. And if you've, I'm sure people have heard about it recently. Um, and if not, I think it's really interesting that nothing has been done in terms of international, mm. like, um, like, in, in terms of international politics, I feel like when it comes to places like Syria or like um, like Gaddafi, like in Libya, I feel like whenever mm. there's instances of these kind of discriminations, there's always like a political. I think because um, um, I think because major powers have other interests with China yeah. that are at stake, yeah. and I think that's the main um, yeah. main issue there. Yeah. But I just wanted to add that we did put a um, a poll out or a question out on our social media asking yeah. people like whether or not they had watched Milan and what they thought of it. And I just want yeah. to shout out at Paul Park Music. Paul, 
Who, April. <laughs> who sent us a message saying he'll never watch Milan because of the background of its production and its lead star. Yeah. So that just summarizes it perfectly. And Kat, I'm going to hand over to you for our next example, which is R. Amazing. Kelly. Yes, R. Kelly. So I just wanted to say that the main, um, I guess, uh, purpose of this conversation is about the power of boycotting because especially with R. Kelly, um, I'm sure you would have heard, I hope, from the last 10 years this has been happening, or even longer, like 20 years this has been happening, that R. Kelly has been accused and sent to jail for possession of child porn as he filmed a sex tape with a 15-year-old girl. That's one example. Um, He got illegally married to Aaliyah. Um, She was only 15 but lied on the marriage certificate saying she was 18. He was 27. He's also been... um, well, he has allegedly been running a sex cult as well, which was first reported in 2017, which basically started the Mute R. Kelly movement, which is to boycott R. Kelly. So the question is, is, has this worked? And I think it has because R. Kelly has been a problematic artist and though there has been boycotts and it has worked in terms of... um, uh, you know, he's he's lost a lot of money. Like, he's not in his prime anymore. He's gone to jail. He lost his house. He um, doesn't... Sell, like, his music sales are really low. His um, tours are always cancelled. No one wants to have him in, in their venues. So this Mute R. Kelly um, movement really did, did work. However, I feel like there is still people who think that yes, that was the person, like that's who he was, he did whatever, 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 but I still like music, right? So the question comes in, where, where do you separate um, those two, two things? Like personally, I'm not going to listen. Like I don't want to give him mm. a click. I don't want to give him my money, even if it's just listening to him because I've, I watched Surviving R. Kelly, so I know how bad it got. Um, and a few of our listeners as well, like on social media did too, they, um, they, they had watched it and they couldn't believe like how a sex tape of a 15 year old got out and was distributed through the streets and he got off, got off, um, prison time. It's only now that he's actually, actually gone to jail. That's so shocking. And I think it's a really... Um, fascinating discussion that we will have after the next example, which ties in really well with it too, which is Chris Brown. Exactly. Um, Absolutely. Um, Yeah. As mentioned before, um, you know, I feel like a lot of times when people discuss Chris Brown, this always comes up and I'm kind of glad it does get brought up. Um, I feel like a lot of artists get forgiven for their past transgressions, but Chris Brown's one of those artists that I feel whenever it comes up in um, like in, in the news, it always hangs over him. Um, and basically, um, if you're not familiar with the story, um, Chris Brown and Rihanna met in 2005. Um, they collaborated on some music a couple of years later, um, and they became official like a year after that in 2008, which is the year before, um, the events that transpired before the Grammys occurred. So basically these two were meant to go on stage, um, and perform together, um, one of their collaborations and they never made it basically um there was no comment by the grammys and only the next day did we find out in the news and in in media that what actually happened is that during their drive to the grammys some sort of altercation broke out 
um, in regards to Rihanna um, attempting to look at Chris Brown's phone and then having a fight and him um, proceeding to, you know, lay a few, sorry, bad term. I don't know how to go about this, but, you know, mm. pretty much physically assaulting her. And I'm pretty sure he dumped her by the side of the road. Like she pretty much like opened the door and like got out the car and he just really? drove off without her. And yeah, basically what happened is passersby like called up the police who'd like seen like the altercation. Mm. And if you've seen the photos, I don't recommend looking at yeah. it if you haven't. It's, it's honestly disturbing. And it's I just yeah, it has is. that yeah. image of her in court. I think I think that's absolutely. the image that I'm thinking of where she's her face is just like Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Brutal. It absolutely is. And I think I think it's just one of those obviously it's heartbreaking because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, it's a celebrity, you know, that's mm-hmm. what, but it's not. It's the fact that a lot of, a lot, I, personally, I know people who have experienced domestic abuse mm-hmm. and seeing that is just, is just, you know, triggering, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's, I just don't understand what kind of anger you need to have at someone to, you know, to get to that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, note, though, yeah. mm, sorry, I was just going to add that after that all happened, when Chris Brown had his tour in Australia, I just, I, I don't know if you're going to mention this, but yeah. he, you know, the government said, no, you can't come yeah, in. Yeah, basically, because in Australia, there is the, the law that says that if you've got a criminal record, um, your ability to come to Australia is very severely impacted unless you yeah. use, you know, special conditions. And but the backlash performing. of that was insane, yeah. like insane. How you know, many people were so mad at that? You know what, though? I think that's that should fall on Chris Brown and his planning team, his touring team. They should have checked those things in advance mm. because it's not like Australia put the, the rule in place last like minute. Like the Johnny and Depp stuff. <laughs> the dog. <laughs> and, you know, it's not like they put the rule in place to discriminate against Chris Brown or, like, stop him from coming. It's just always been a rule. Um and I think it's, it's, I don't know, I, yeah, it's, it's always been there and I don't think they should make a special ex- exception for, for an artist. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah. an important thing to note is Rihanna did um, do a, a, you know, a special on Oprah where she forgave Chris Brown. Um, and I think a lot of people use that as an excuse to support Chris Brown. And I think mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. of moving on is forgiveness, you know, and she's on her journey of like moving on past the situation. But I don't think that gives, you know, I don't think that's a... It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't I don't think it's a blank slate. Absolutely no, not. It, will, it doesn't give you a right to forget. Mm. No, absolutely. So, like, I, I think that the second an artist does something like completely outrageous or problematic, right, their work, no matter how much people liked it before becomes like radioactive no like it is tainted i feel like we have to mention though someone who who's kind of gone through this as well well unfortunately he's passed away but michael jackson Jackson. so this is just you know i'm wondering and my main question is should even though he's he's dead like he's not here to say what he has to say but when the documentary came out and when all of this stuff came out like at work for instance you know michael jackson wasn't playing at work anymore things like that that boycotting um it's really fascinating and i think with the chris brown stuff especially and r kelly yeah there's two sides and there's people who just refuse to believe it or they're hardcore fans that just want to listen to the music and Mm. deal with that and separate the artists. But what is that really saying? Like, what is that saying to the world that it's okay to, I don't know. I I read something really interesting in doing research for this show and it was that separating art and the artist is just an excuse to enjoy the work of problematic people, which I think sums it up perfectly and Mm. I just want to go back to your point of Michael Jackson and 
that's a really difficult one because whilst the problematic individual is still alive, yeah. right? You, you can't separate art from artists because they benefit socially and financially from you consuming their content. Yeah. And they're not here anymore. They're not. Yeah. yeah, it's it's their family that might be. Yeah, by, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like their legacy, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's yeah. Not, but they don't. And yeah. it doesn't really matter if you continue listening. That's a good point because. Yeah. Yeah, very yeah. good point. Well, to be fair, I think I think that the whole point of boycotting is sending a clear message, saying no matter how popular you are, no matter how good your music is, mm. if this is the kind of person you are, we're not going to be. I mean, yeah. you're not. We're not going to give you the attention. We're not going to give you the sales. And I think that's a clear message that's yeah. important in noting here. Like, yes, the money might not be going towards that individual. But then it's like legacy is, I feel, such a huge important part of like artistry. And I think Mm -hmm. the fact that the legacy can be compromised through their actions, whether they're, you know, alive or not, I think that's, you know, sends a clear message in terms of that. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what else though? Like, I think boycotting actually really works. The gatekeepers Mm. of art don't want to lose money. So who's not to buy the art of problematic people? It takes money out of their pocket and hopefully yeah. they'll get the message another example is spotify and apple music not sponsoring or not promoting yeah. r kelly's music you know not putting his mm. songs on suggested lists not putting them on playlists yeah. and it's just so interesting how impactful that can be um like as i said he lost his house only a couple of years ago because he couldn't pay it off because all of his, you know, sales were dropping. So it did work. And I think the R. Kelly movement is like one of those extreme examples that boycotting worked. Whereas, you know, obviously we've got other examples like Chris Brown and Milan, like, you know, Mm. it's kind of happening, but it's not a big enough movement. And again, the extent to the actual issue is completely different. I got to say that the R Kelly thing is just extreme and mind blowing that it's so, so bad. (laughs) I think I definitely need to watch it eventually at some point, but I think just with everything going on, it's one of those things that I don't indulge in. Yeah. You got to be in like a really like, you know, in a certain mind space to watch it. I was just going to ask really quickly, Tess, just because in terms of the fact that, Mulan is a bit different and it's mm. a film and it's about female empowerment it's about yeah. culture tradition do you think it's important to separate you know like the the main lead from the body of um, work because the other thing as well really like good argument that yeah. you know, I'm having with with the, like uh, Lucy one of my flatmates um partners and basically she was discussing about the fact that the pressures in China if you're someone like yes. you know um Liu Yifei um yeah. in terms of you, I think there was a this actress last year that disappeared for a while and it's yeah. because she hadn't paid taxes. And I think the fact that that kind of power exists in China, yeah. she can be, you know, uh, coerced or encouraged, you know, she's an American citizen, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think that completely, completely like just negates that yeah. obligation she, to support the Hong Kong police. Yeah. I, I don't know. Obviously that like yeah. I'm speaking from a distance. I don't know, but I think it's incredibly tone deaf for someone yeah. who, is the star of a movie about empowerment and yeah. resisting oppression to yeah. support just that. Yeah. And I just wanted to add very yeah. quickly before we finish this segment as well, that I recognize some people who think that, okay, someone's done something bad. It's not my fault. Like I'm not a dreadful person. Why do I need to miss out on something that I enjoy? Mm, great and, point. Yeah. And mm. I 
watch like I watched Mulan, like full disclosure, I watched it knowing very well the controversy behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still putting money into their hands. Yeah. Mm. And I hate yeah. to admit it, but I actually really like the movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the you thing. It's like, should you feel guilty for enjoying yeah. problematic artists? Mm. Yeah. And Sean, yeah. when I had this discussion with you early in the week, you put it really well. And you said something along the lines were, uh, uh, so, uh, something along the lines of, <laughs> you need to be educated about the work you're going to discuss or the work yeah. you're going to critique. Yeah. Which I think just sums it up perfectly. Absolutely. Which I think is a really good statement to end that on because the next segment, I think that really comes into play. Completely. So yes. after the break, we are going to talk about more about problematic art and the actual product that um, becomes problematic. So we're going to be talking about cuties. Um, we're going to be talking about Bill Henson, Lucas Grogan. So yeah, we'll catch you after the break. Welcome back, everyone. And this segment, we're going to be talking about the second half of our discussion about whether or not you can separate art from artists. And we'll focus specifically on problematic art and whether or not the artist can defend it with a good intention. Mm. So we have some examples. And the first one is Cuties, which is a recent Netflix film. And then we have Australian artists Bill Henson and Lucas Grogan. And we're going to delve into some of their problematic works a little bit more later. So firstly, Cuties is a French coming-of-age drama which revolves around a Senegalese French girl with a traditional Muslim upbringing. And she's caught between traditional values and internet culture. And according to the filmmakers, the film is intended to criticise the hypersexualization of pre-adolescent girls. Mm-hmm. And the film did receive generally positive reviews from critics initially. But when it released on Netflix, it became the subject of controversy and politicised backlash. And there are now major calls for Netflix to remove the film. Yes, a lot to unpack here because I feel like over the last few days, there has been so much talk about it, so much controversy. You can easily just go onto the trailer and you'll see 2 million dislikes compared to 57,000 likes. Like that says it all, can I just say? But the thing is, is that if I can urge anyone who is interested in this topic, please go and watch the film. I think so you have an educated understanding and opinion of the film and you can make um, that opinion on on your own. You need to watch the film. And yes, it was quite uncomfortable, but um, it's definitely worth the watch because there's just so much to talk about with it. Like we were talking about this before the show and we just thought, Oh my goodness. Like, yes, no, yes, no. What's, what's the right thing? I think Kat, you said something excellent earlier and it's that I think the majority of people calling for it to be removed haven't actually seen the movie Mm. and therefore don't really take into the, take into consideration the educational message behind. And yes, it's confronting. But there's a reason for that. Maybe we should break it down into the two sides. So for the film, like the great things about the film, um, it's about commenting, like it's a a commentary on what is happening in um, pedoculture. It it links back to pedoculture, right? The hypersexualization of like pre-adolescent girls, Mm -hmm. okay? And the director purposely wanted to send that message by filming something of a traditional young young girl who 
tries to explore, you know, internet culture, um, try to understand her sexuality, try to understand her identity. Um, and there's so many other themes that aren't um, given as much attention to mm. because of this outrage of um, the yeah. pedo. Um, yeah. I feel like it's it. very much an instance of criticising, like, how the message is, is you know, is put across rather than the yeah. content of on it off it yeah. sorry and and that's the thing i feel like you can you can definitely tell who's watched it who hasn't watched it um i haven't actually watched it but i've read a lot of i've read a few commentaries on the work and like the intention behind it and obviously this film is is, is french for one and i think depicting young adolescents um, in coming of age films is very traditionally french and i think the images are a bit more you know there's a bit more discomfort provocative it's very yeah. provocative yeah. but i think it's necessary in order to like send a bit of a clear message across like i think so disgusting. too it wouldn't have the same impact absolutely you if could have, it like, wasn't young girls yeah mm. if you had 16 or 20 or 20 year olds playing it that looked you know young enough i think you know it's it's like watching riverdale you're still seeing like these older people mm. being sexualized and you're like oh it's not you know it the, the, the message isn't as confronting and mm. I think the the uh, the backlash to to the film is very much you know not really accepting that this is going on like you know if you look at TikTok if you look at you know even like the Aces family if you look at you know influencers that put their kids in all these like you know really flashy clothes and stuff like yep. it's it's out there and that's the think, really important yeah, part I think 100%, not, yeah, yeah. you're criticizing you, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, these are the, the reasons why, like, you know, kids mm. are sexualized because of this film. But it's like, no, this is a product, you know, paying commentary to the fact that kids in society 100%. are yeah. being sexualized. You know what I mean? And I think I, that's, yeah, you know, that's I think the, the outrage is almost un, uneducated. Um, yeah. Like, because well, people yeah. are target, like, are outraged about the wrong thing, mm. to put yeah. it simply. You can find discomfort in the images. And yeah. I think that's the point. But you like, can't I didn't enjoy it. the movie. Yeah. But I appreciate what it tried to convey. Yeah. Of course. And I think as well, um, I think, as you said, Sean, the whole TikTok thing is such an important thing to raise Absolutely. because we all know that young kids, well, parents, they give their kids, you know, iPads, laptops, phones at a very, very, very young age. Okay. We, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I never experienced that when I was a kid, you know, having Facebook had to happen like when you were 16, like point is is that yeah. it's there so the fact yeah. that these mostly parents but this outrage is coming yeah. across as though this is the first thing that's ever happened in the history of the world to like yeah. to yeah. um you know hypersexualize young girls it just doesn't make sense because it's yeah. like well hold on a second what are you feeding your kids with your you know instagram yeah. tiktok facebook at like yeah. 12 years old well, so yeah. That's where my, my frustration comes from. Yeah, but absolutely. at the same time, on the flip side, the controversy is coming from not only the hypersexualization, but the fact that it's fodder for pedos. That's a quote from this person who disagrees yeah. With, yeah. with the film. Um, and I think, like, look, there is validity to that, to that opinion, yeah, 100% um agree with that but what what are your thoughts on on the oh i just side? don't know how else you could how else you could convey such an explicit message do you know what i mean it's like because it's such a, a confronting topic that people don't want to face and don't want to accept 
I think yeah. that it needs to be explicit for people to truly get it. I, so I don't, I don't really know if there's another way. Well, to- I think the other um, argument for um, like being against, you know, for mm. against the film was that like I saw a lot of comments saying, okay, let's compare this to murder. You don't show on film, you're going to kill someone to show that you shouldn't kill someone. And it's like, oh, okay, that's true. Like you, you don't see someone actually kill someone on a TV show or a film. You'll see it done fake. Like it's fake. So the argument is that they needed psychologists on the set, parents, you know, consented to their kids to be exploited on the yeah. set. And that's where the problem arises because well, they yeah. are. I yeah. didn't actually know, like, I don't actually know. Um, I just, there psychologists on set? Yeah. Apparently, yes. And that's okay, the cool. argument. Yeah, but they're saying, why should there be psychologists? There shouldn't be. The fact well, that there is, it's a problem. No, there should be. Like, there's psychologists it's, on everything. Even on Australian Survivor, yeah, there's psychologists. You're like, taking precautions because yeah. you want to make sure that, you know, the, the, the subject are being protected, which is the mm. point. I just think it's ironic that, you know, the film industry is so known for hypersexualizing the youth. And then there's this film here pointing, you know, pointing out and, you know, pretty much like, you know, blatantly depicting it as hypersexualization and people are mad at the message rather than Mm. like you know the mad that it's being shown and sorry you were gonna say that oh no sorry no i was just gonna quickly add the cancel the whole you know we're talking about pedoculture but there's also an element of cancel culture here Mm. as well because we just got to remember that netflix has distributed this film okay i'm not sure about what's going on in france how that you know how it's being received in france but parents are cancelling their netflix subscription because they're scared their kids yeah. are going to view the film are you freaking serious take it, your phone it, away from your kids like come it, on like, eh? it yeah. is ma 15 plus there's a rating for yeah. a reason the themes exactly. are strong it's yeah. confronting and it's explicit i'm sorry but i'm just going to mention really quickly the fact that there's you know child duty pageants out there right and dance then moms. Dance moms, yeah literally dance moms, <laughs> yeah these kids are 100 percent hypersexualized and yes. it's shown around the tv and it's kind of like okay but then this film it, it's just it just rattles and my the brain the other thing is is that the message that's coming up from for example dance moms you're yeah. dancing to win something yeah. or win money this Absolutely. film is to educate yeah, people absolutely. about the issue so it's, it's completely yeah. different why are we questioning only yeah. this and yeah. i think this is the like this is the problem with society we question think, the yeah. wrong things yeah yeah oh absolutely. it's like they're disagreeing they're disagreeing with hypersexualization <laughs> by showing disapproval for the film but it's like that's that's not it you know what i mean like you need to educate yourself on the matter yeah i just think it was done in a provocative way to create discussion if you didn't have you know child stars on it and if it wasn't depicted in the way it was it probably wouldn't be a conversation that we'd be having today exactly you need that space to have that discussion but this this topic of cuties is you know very fascinating and it links perfectly with bill henson the australian artist yeah well, I shall take this one away, <laughs> as the saying goes. Um, Bill Henson, um, I didn't actually know much about him until the scandal um, that occurred in 2008. Basically, he's a pretty renowned um, Australian photographer, often, you know, depicting subjects in black and white. Um, and often his subjects are, you know, men and women and a lot of landscapes, but primarily it'd be, you know, it'd be human subjects and they'd be... Mm-hmm 
in their in their natural state, um, in the nude basically, and he in their natural state in their natural state, which is that's the thing. I feel a lot of people get confused that you know just nudity doesn't mean sex, but you know, Mm. in their natural state. And I think there's obviously you know he's found his niche and he's was renowned for like that kind of work. Um, and up until 2008, when there was backlash, because he, in one of his um, exhibits, had depictions of children who were under the age of 16 um, in the nude. I haven't seen the photos. I don't understand the concept mm. of whether nude is like full, fr- like you know, full frontal, as you'd say, or or mm. whatever. But um, I mean, art would be done taste, you know, be tasteful. But basically, mm-hmm. the backlash that was was the fact that you know this um, photographer would have these kids in a vulnerable state, taking pictures of them similar to you know someone who would be exploiting children. Um, and basically, there was you know there was a lot of discussion surrounding it. Um, yeah. There was uh, Kevin Rudd, <laughs> Prime Minute PM at the time in two thousand and eight. Um, this is a quote directly from him who said that Bill Henson's pictures of nude adolescents were absolutely revolting. Mm. Um, And, you know, I feel like the prime minister, you know, the leader of our country making a commentary on that is quite, you know, it's quite, Mm. you know, potent, I suppose. Um, And the nation, basically the question was whether he was a pedophile masquerading as an artist or someone abusing his power. I think at the the crux of this entire issue is that the 13-year-old girl was essentially prepubescent, yeah. right? Like, and the issue was that um, spectators, essentially, I think this was Bill Henson's argument, that spectators were the ones sexualizing a prepubescent oh, I absolutely agree because my, my interaction with, you know, this story was on Facebook when I was reading yeah. comments. And a lot of people made a very valid commentary being like, this is the, you know, a... a like, you know it's it's someone in the natural state you're the one mm. that's superimposing the sex, yeah. the sex like and you the see a prepubescent child at the beach and that's what your brain you know that's, that's okay. exactly you know exactly that's the perfect way to put it and he literally like that's you know as you said bill henson he studies the human form like that's mm. it just as it is you know the human form yeah. nothing to do with sexualization and, or anything you know like that but it was yeah. interesting because it also raised concerns on censorship and whether it was okay yeah. to seize to seize it um it also was interesting to find out that when he was scouting for the kids the two the two kids the 13 year olds mm. he was scouting at a primary school so yeah. that was when the department of education got involved and the principal took him around to find these two people turns out that um the principal followed all rules wasn't caught for anything he wasn't caught for anything. It was completely fine because parents were involved and all of that. Well, that's so, what I was going to say. The parents of the subjects were well aware of the situation and, you know, the kids were aware of the situation. It wasn't like they were deceived into, you know, it's not like one of those situations where, like, the kids were, like, asked to model and then asked to take their clothes off. They knew well yeah. in advance, you know, the situation and, and the subject of the art. So It, it turned out to be that the... the um, it's interesting. The photographs ended up being classified as PG as well. So that's really interesting to note. And also I really want to just mention this quote from the NGA um, former director, Betty Churcher. She said that as soon as you take art to court, it never works. The court is not the place to decide matters of art. And I think that's really interesting. And it kind of sums up um, our discussion really. I think 
if you think about it. Art is so, 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 so subjective. Yeah. And I I think um, when you put out something that potentially could be controversial, right, Mm. something you know is not going to please everyone, there's going to be backlash. Yeah. Right? Regardless of your intention, there's going to be backlash. But Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to educate yourself on the intention. I think made just an excellent point just now, Tess, about the fact that art is perspective um, and subjective. And I think the subjective part of it pretty much is kind of like displays your own perceptions of the art. Someone mm. who isn't thinking in that matter, you know, someone who's not viewing a 13 year old, you know, prepubescent body as you know, an object of sex, that that's not the first thought that goes through their mind. So, you know, I feel mm. like it's more of a, a depiction of like their own internal thoughts yeah. rather than the actual art itself and also how society how society just in general expects has, yeah us yeah. to think that way as well which is so stuffed up but um yeah. very yeah last one that i wanted to mention was lucas grogan you probably haven't really heard about him that much because he's kind of dropped off the place of the earth um <laughs> after this controversy but in 2008 to 2010 um he created a stir when he exhibited works that noticeably appropriated the styles and techniques of traditional aboriginal art so the subject matter of his pieces caused further dismay and controversy as they depicted figures drinking vomiting and engaging in sexual so this caused a lot of controversy because there were a lot of questions about the appropriation, but also the um, attitudes and perceptions of Aboriginal people coming from a white, he was a gay man, but yeah. a white gay man. So minority, majority, but still point is, is that he did that. And I just wanted to mention Texter Queen. She's an Australian artist. Um, she kind of put it quite perfectly in terms of um, ex- like summarising the actual issue where she claims that um, he has built his career on the controversy of appropriation, where instead discussion should have um, been centred on Indigenous experiences and opinions, not the artist and white privilege. And there was no conversation within any um, Indigenous uh, or Aboriginal people. So that kind of added to the controversy as well. Mm. So I just wanted to mention that because that's just a totally different element of how art can be problematic in terms of cultural appropriation. And we've yeah. mentioned this so much throughout the season. Um, but yeah, go check, like you can check it out, make up your own mind about it because it is a bit ambiguous in terms of whether mm. it is cultural appropriation or not. I think this, out of the three examples, examples we've discussed today I think this is one where intention is really hard to discern and I haven't I don't know too much about Lucas Grogan so I'll definitely have to go look into it but it seems like on the face to be very problematic Mm. I think the 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 thing that you just mentioned as well Kat is the fact that inclusion you know there's there's been no consultation with the community that you're depicting and I feel like that this is a bit off topic, but I feel like a lot of Aboriginal matters, they're never included in the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I feel like it's a recurring, you know, in art and politics. It just 100%. Keeps, and I think and that's, you know. Perhaps that's where we move forward with cultural appropriation, you know, engaging and, and consulting um, the members yeah. of those communities that you want to, I guess, take from. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I think there's, I, I, yeah. yeah. I think the first step is just, you're right, just going out, educating yourself, learn, mm. ask questions. Mm. 
I think the main point as well is to definitely objectively look at both the art and the artist, hold artists mm. accountable, but also before you dismiss the art, if it's yeah. problematic, take a look for yourself and educate yourself on yeah. the intentions, on the subject and on the message before mm. just dismissing it. Don't join the bandwagon. Get educated. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the perfect way to end to wrap up. this segment. <laughs> Catch you guys after the break. listening to car chats with Tess, Kat and Shaw. We are now at the point of the show where we share our recommendations for the week. Sean, start us off. What's your recommendation? Um, so this week I wanted to, um, I want to highlight a small business. Um, cause I feel like it's, you know, we were talking last time about like small businesses, like, you know, promoting an Instagram and whatnot. Um, there's this girl who's a friend of a friend who is making masks and I highly rate them. I have to wear them for eight hours at work and they're so comfortable. I've been using disposable masks. I know shame on me, but, um, I just haven't found a pair that didn't give me a headache and like, you know, make me want to pass out for them eight hours in the heat. Um, you can follow her on Instagram. It's AOC underscore workshop. We'll put it up on our Instagram, but I also wanted to recommend something really quickly, which is a show on Netflix called atypical. I'm sure it's, it's been on there for a yeah, while. I love atypical. Yeah. You guys haven't watched it. This is your sign. Watch it. It's super <laughs> so whole- good. It's, it's so wholesome. I feel like it's really perfect for a time like this where you need a little bit of wholesomeness mm. and positivity. It's about um, the main character has autism, um, you know, and it's, it's got a diverse cast and it definitely highlights a lot of issues, um, family issues, race, um, gender, um, ableism. So yeah, it's a really good watch and they do a really great job of, you know, encapsulating mm. all those, all those watch, things. Um, I second that recommendation. That's an excellent TV show. <laughs> Tess, what's yours? Mine. Mine's also a TV show. Anyone who knows me knows how much I love The Masked Singer. And now that The Masked Singer has finished, I've had to find something else to watch on Channel 10. And it is Ambulance Australia. Oh, yes. And I genuinely love it. Like it follows call takers and dispatchers and paramedics um, in their day-to-day working life. And I already have the utmost respect for our first respondents, Mm -hmm. but this just amplified it. Like their work when you, when you actually see it is so emotionally and physically exhausting and they have a strength that I could not even fathom possessing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really gripping. It's really, I love it. That's so (laughs) good. I love it. <laughs> no, it's a great show. It's very like intense, but it's so fascinating to see the realities of um yeah. Yeah. It's just really Definitely. funny because everyone's been watching a lot of like health related TV shows like Grey's Anatomy, ER. <laughs> do you um, know what yeah. I appreciate Absolutely. about Ambulance Australia though? Like I yeah. hate gore. I can't do like guts and stuff. But they like blur it out. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's because it's on like you know primetime television. Mm. <laughs> so, um, mm. Yeah, because of their no. time slot, they blur it out, which is excellent for me. Awesome sauce. Yeah, amazing. Cat, <laughs> what is yours? Mine is a TV show as well. I think, um, guys, if you're listening, these two week, the two week break we're going to take. It means you have to watch all our shows that we're recommending, I think. Yeah. Um, but before I recommend my TV show, I just have to say something that happened during the week that I think our listeners need to know about. I am going to roast Tess right oh, no. now. <laughs> oh, God. I am going to recommend something on your MacBook. 
<laughs> oh God. If you do not know how to right click <laughs> on your MacBook like Tess. You place your two fingers and click on the trackpad and it will come up with the right click um, options. If um, you have been doing what Tess does, control clicking, great, excellent. But you need to know how to do the two fingers. I just, can I just provide some justification? I've used a Mac my entire life. Why would I need to know how to right click? I just use control click. And I asked my sister, she didn't know either. No, I've been asking people, to be honest. And Actually? Yeah, and you're right. Like there's been, you know what, we should probably put a survey out there because I reckon half, half have been doing the control click or the double click. So I don't yeah. All right. you know. We'll, the put a poll. we'll put a poll on our Instagram. Do you <laughs> know? Yes. right click on a mac you yes. have to press with two fingers mm. anyways Amazing. that was like a psa to all our listeners <laughs> Sorry, that sounded <laughs> but my actual recommendation is the documentary series challenger and it's about the space shuttle that um, the space shuttle that was um unfortunately um blew up <laughs> um and unfortunately killed all the astronauts on on the on the yeah. space shuttle it's a really interesting um documentary on how nasa it's probably a bit of a conspiracy i haven't finished it but it's, but it's kind of hinting at how um nasa didn't like well, nasa kind of covered it up and they kind of knew that it wasn't gonna work out but um anyways mm. if you're interested in space travel very and gripping. crashes air crashes <laughs> i guess mm. you could watch that but um yeah yeah lots yeah. of tv shows for you guys to watch whilst we lots go on of- our break yeah, or lots you of can great listen TV back shows. to our podcast. I think <laughs> yes. that's probably true. a better, better option. That is true. And that is a perfect plug to finish our show today. So thank you so much to everyone who has listened to this season of Car Chats with Tess, Cat and Sean. And we appreciate your love and support so much, especially during this uncertain time. Like it honestly does keep us going. Mm, um, please go follow our socials at Car Chats with Tess, Cat and Sean on Facebook and at Car Chats Monash on Instagram. And in case you missed this episode, you can listen back to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you all have a lovely two-week break and we will see you back for season six. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Yay. We did it.